Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com Thanks for joining us here on NapaBroadcasting.com. With the coming Napa City Council race, we have the opportunity to perhaps diversify the council. For the first time in my memory, we have two candidates running from the Hispanic community. One of those candidates, Bernie Navarez, brings something else, a wider worldview. While we hear from a lot of candidates about their life journey all the way from one side of Napa to the other, Bernie has gotten out a bit more. How he came to Napa and his time in the Marines are all part of his compelling personal story. How that might actually translate, though, into serving the residents of the city of Napa is an open question. One we're going to try and answer today, as it is my pleasure to welcome Bernie Navarez here to Napa Broadcasting. Bernie, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here. Talk a little bit, not about your story, because I know you've been talking a lot about that, and you can kind of weave it into this, but how does your own personal experience really give you a point of view that you think can help you in the job as a member of the city council? Well, engaging with people, first of all, talking with uh, our community members and having that voice translate into responsible decisions in our community. Uh, in my business as an insurance, um, uh, on the insurance agency for the last 10 years, I get in front of a lot of people, you know, hundreds of people during a week come in my office. And it's people that work in the field, that work in a restaurant, business owners from all economic levels. And I get a broad perspective in real time. So, and because I've earned the trust and loyalty of so many, they, they open up to me and I hear these issues. And how does that broader perspective help you? How do you think it might help you as a member of the council? Because when we make decisions, by the time I make the decision, I have to do my homework. I have to engage with people. I'm already doing that. And that's just going to help me be more uh, informed before I decide on something that's going to affect people's lives. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how important you think it is that there be Hispanic representation on the council. Well, I th- first of all, you know, we have a diverse community. It's not just Latinos. We, you know, I was talking to somebody that, that came from Germany yesterday after the, the city council debate at Silos. Uh, so, but to answer your, your question more specifically, we have about 39 to 40% Hispanic population in Napa that don't have a voice. Often feel misunderstood, and um, traditionally, historically, uh, Latinos have a mis uh, um, understanding and don't trust government. Uh, so, if we can have somebody they can relate to, they can talk to, they can understand a more personal level, then we can get more engagement and get more trust. What do you think that lack of trust is about? I there, there's barriers, you know, just even if it's not intentional, I don't think it's intentional. Uh, it's just, you know, language barriers, cultural barriers, um, just our, as human behavior, looking at someone that doesn't look like us often um, for many people may prevent us from engaging from with one another. So just just, you know, those those challenges um, just kind of bring down the barrier a little bit, um, you know, talking about you know, just the, the basic inter- human interactions. But beyond that. You know, I'm somebody that engages with everybody in the community, not just Latino community. It just it's easy for me to talk about that because that's how I grew up. That's who I am. That's my culture. That's my family. But I've gone outside of that and engaged with people outside. So I understand beyond the, the Latino needs and Latino perspectives in our community. You're running against an incumbent that's been in office for 12 years and another candidate who's been on the council before and, and, and running to be back on. 
what is it as a newcomer that you think you offer that that they don't? Well, you know, as a business owner for the last 10 years, you know, there's there's challenges in our community with their business community that that's trying to survive the changes in in, in the retail market and the business market. It's the rising the 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 raising rents and it's not just that, but it's the is the reduction in, in local shopping. How do we get our locals to, to shop downtown, to shop and, and, and go to smaller businesses? That's one of the things that I've been talking about is how do we really face you know the online marketing, the online shoppers, and, and help our small businesses? That's a challenge. Um, and, and as somebody that has to recreate themselves, because I'm in the insurance business, that's a very competitive market. And I often have to recreate marketing, recreate my business to still appeal to 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 our customers. And you know we've done that successfully. Um, the other part is is diversity. You know it's not just being a Latino, but uh, having a young family. I have a nine month at home, another baby on the way, and and just became a homeowner for the first time one year. And that was a lifelong challenge. You know I came here with my family for American Dream. And those struggles of poverty, homelessness, and and just taking those opportunities to overcome those struggles, you know, because it's a beautiful country that we live in, and, you know, overcome that. And there's families in our valley right now that are going through those challenges, and that's why I bring in a broader perspective, real-life perspective. To what extent, though, does being on the city council allow you to address any of those things? I mean, from a health and human services perspective, it really is a broader county issue. The city is, is certainly more involved with, you know, streets and roads and uh, land use issues and the like. How, as a member of the council, do you see an opportunity to address some of those more touchy-feely issues that you're talking about? Well, it's about going out to a community and and having people engage and do, doing it in a way that doesn't, again, you know, people have, don't go to city council, don't go to these meetings because they're working, they're hustling every day to, to be able to pay for, for housing. And housing is the number one issue. Um, and when I, in my business, when I see people transitioning from renters to buyers, the zip code changes. They're leaving our community, right? And when people plan to, their future Napa's not part of it right now so from the city council level and knowing the touchy-feely um, issues it's, it's really about what's happening in our community our people's lives are being affected you know people are, are, are leaving our community to for recreational services we can improve our parks for for our families and young families and people that that are working here are, are commuting here and spending your money outside our community um, so there's we're losing our sense of community but certainly people commute from everywhere. I mean, I've been discussing this with, with all the candidates. People commute from everywhere. Not everybody is able to live where they work. If you work in Ross or you work in Beverly Hills or you, whatever it is, um, you can't always afford to live where you work. That, that's uh, a common problem. It's not unique to Napa. Jeff, you make a good point. We're not going to build a house, everybody, but we can do better. We need to do better. It's a 1% vacancy rate. There are places where we can build. We can add supply. We can be denser in areas where we're not going to get neighbors to, to go up in arms. We can do better. There's a misbalance 
We're, we're not focusing on the needs of our residents. We're not listening to our residents. We're not engaging with our residents. We're not going out to a community and finding what do you need. It's reactionary right now, and that's not leadership. What do you think the council should be doing with respect to some of these issues around housing, for example? For one, you know, just— Specifically. For housing, okay. So, like I said, 1% 1 vacancy rate. We need supply. Also, we need to have programs— where when we create revenue, we do we do a great way creating revenue from our taxes and and, and charging developers and and um, but we don't have a good program to put that into use, being a workforce program, a a renting program. We have we we rely on state and federal money, but we don't have a good local program that reflects the needs of our community. And I'll give you an example. When we were, my wife, Gabby, and I were looking to buy, we qualified for down payment assistance years ago. We got a qualified for a mortgage, but it wasn't enough purchasing power to buy a Napa. So we qualified for one program, but we couldn't buy a Napa. So we waited, right, and waited. And, and then we were able to qualify to buy a Napa, but we didn't qualify for a down payment assistance, mm. right? So it, it's not consistent. The, 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 what's being offered and what we need are not consistent. So we need to create those programs that are consistent with the needs of our community based on the rising cost of, of living here. You know, we, we, we can help people move into into rental spaces, right? If they can make they can make the monthly payment, but the first and last and security, sometimes that helps people from from moving in our community and, and leave. That they're taking their kids and they're commuting back in. Uh, and then when they're ready to buy, what's the next step? To get to become a homeowner, the down payment says is not enough. It's too restricted. It, it does not reflect the, the needs of our community, and also, you know, the waiting list for Section Eight is closed, and the people that are able to afford out have nowhere to go. There's real issues, a real fear in our community when it comes to to shelter. Are those policies though that you think the city council can have an impact on? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that you know, I know that. Um, Taking the revenue, even if Measure F passes, it's two two million dollars. You know, we we need to support it now. It's but not the, a lot of money in not, the whole scope Jeff, of the whole housing issue. It's not it's not a lot of money, and we should. And never, just for our listeners, that's the additional one percent TOT. Yes, the one percent TOT, but the fact that we have to this measure is on the ballot. The fact that we need to to support this tells you that our priorities are not right, because we had enough revenue where we could have offset $2 million for housing, you know, and, and we didn't do that because our priorities were different. Our priorities were not housing. We're not our residents. It was economic growth. We've done a good job. Um, it's not that we have not pushed economic growth because we need it, but we need to create balance at the same time. What do you think that the council, the current council, has not done? What would you like to have seen them do differently? Well, you know, what. One easy thing or basic thing is having city council meetings throughout the community to, to get to get more engagement, to, to say, hey, we care about your engagement. I know sometimes you can't go downtown. Uh, we can do something like that. Um, better better services in Spanish. You know, I, I think they, they've come in around now, but there's been some real struggles in the fires. Um, large large um, um, issues that came up, I think they could have done better with, with – with um, getting out there and, and and communicating with people that have language barriers, you know, and people say, well, you know, 
some people say, well, they, they got understand the English. But the thing is, is reality is we have people that, that are still trying to overcome those, those challenges, you know, and somebody that's lived through that um, understands that, you know, sometimes you need a little time. And there are people in our community that are impacted by these issues and they're not heard and they're not misunderstood and they're not represented. And that's what I'm going to bring to city council. Mm-hmm. Well, you were talking a little bit about housing and the, the 1% vacancy rate, the rental stock. What are your thoughts about Proposition 10, the rent control measure? Supply is an issue, not rent control. I think before we talk about rent control, we address the issues that we have first, and that's adding supply. We add supply, we can go dense, we look at zoning, and we establish a better relationship with developers to build and build in ways that we can house the people that need that want to live here. And you're, we, like you said earlier, we can't house everybody. We can't expect to solve this problem, but we can mitigate and be better. Be, so it's too soon for 10. And I think that what we have is, is you know, having the state regulated is, 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 is what we need to say because we're in this mess because we did not prioritize the needs of our community. It's, it's high demand, short supply, it's causing the rents to go up. We're not in this mess alone. This is a, a regional problem. I mean, the entire Bay Area is struggling with this. You're right. It is a regional problem, but as an elected at the city level, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the best I can to to be a good example at the city level for other for the regional cities. And, and that's about investing in our community. Our growth needs to go back. Part of our growth needs to go back to our community. And have you looked at any best practices in any other cities around the Bay Area that are addressing similar problems and things that, that perhaps they've done that we might learn from? Yeah, you know, there's when I talk to developers, they're talk, they're, they've shared with me how other cities welcome them. Say, hey, we want you to build here. We want you to, to do this in a timely way, and we're, we're going to walk with you the whole process to make sure we do this successfully, you don't waste your money, and it doesn't take more time than it's needed. And they, they go there instead of here. So that's something we need to take a look at our our permit process, our uh, the process of how we uh, inspect and how we sometimes delay that process and, and find ways where we can be successful in offering housing to to our residents. You mentioned uh, before we went on the air, you mentioned that you were at a forum last night and the issue of homelessness came up uh, a couple of times. Do you think that that's a, a problem in Napa? And if so, is it something the city council needs to address, law enforcement needs to address? Does it fall under the rubric of the county? What are your thoughts about that? Yes, we all need to come together, police, county, and city. This the, this issue doesn't just affect the city, it affects the county and, and the resources on not just the police but the fire department. The fire department gets calls to, to you know, people that are not living in healthy environments, and there's different levels of homelessness. Somebody that has that that has been homeless. Our issue was was economic. Others are mental health, substance abuse, and you know, I was talking to somebody at the forum last night that was homeless. Was headed to a shelter afterwards, and you know, she was there not because of mental illness or. Or mental illness or substance abuse. It was economic reasons. And we need to be more efficient in how we uh, find out the different needs of different, for the reason of how you're homeless, differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we help somebody with mental illness, with substance abuse, and somebody that needs to find get back into a job, to, 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 to find a job? Um, so that's where we can be better. 
and, and sometimes housing them together is not the best idea. And I, you know, I've talked to people that that try and get to a job, you know, try and get back into a workforce, and they're with people with substance abuse, you know, and that may not be the best practice to do that because they have different needs. But doesn't that really fall in, under the, the auspices of, of Health and Human Services in the county? I mean, there's really not a whole lot that the city can do in that regard. Well, the thing is, is we need to work together. I mean, it's within, there's homelessness within um, our city. They're, they're by the river, they're in our parks, they're, they're, you know, there was a fire not too, fa- not too far from here, you know, from I understand what's caused by, you know, people that, that, um, that are homeless. And, and this it affects the city and affects the county and affects police and fire resources. So we all have to work together. I'm not just going to, you know, stand aside. Um, if the county says, you know, we need more help from the city to, to address this, then we, we want to work together. You've been out there. I know you've been, been working hard in this campaign and uh, knocking on a lot of doors, talking to a lot of people. What are you hearing from people out there? And what are you hearing that surprises you sometimes? So several things. The first one is when I talk to parents, almost all of them tell me my kid can't afford to live here. When they plan the future, Napa's not part of it. So how do we create opportunities and be fiscally responsible and create opportunities for people to to live in Napa. And, and when I say you plan your future, I want Napa to be part of it. It's how do we do that? And it starts with housing. It starts with adding supply and creating a pathway to home ownership. So when you start as a renter, you come back from college, you start your your, your first job, and eventually five years or six years, you want to be a homeowner. You want to see, you want to try and connect the dots to your future to become a homeowner and create that pathway and and be able to 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 rent be able to to have programs in place. Say if I do this, this, and that, then I, I have I have a way to be a, to be a homeowner, because you know it, I'll give you an example. When Gabby and I were buying, we got outbidded many times, but the VA loan helped me get get the home loan. Uh, but not everybody has those resources that benefit, and we need to help people um, with those opportunities to be able to buy. Mm-hmm. And we can do that by creating those programs with the, the revenue from our growth. What's the point of having economic growth of building hotels and, you know, have this 14% growth of TOT that they're expected to have if we don't reinvest in our community and help the people that make that, that growth happen? Well, one of the things there's certainly a lot of talk about investing in is uh, a new city hall uh, mm-hmm. downtown, new police facilities. So talk to me about your thoughts about where we are in that process, in your view. Well, I know that workers deserve a f- safe place to, to work, and, and we're spending a lot of money and maintaining it and leasing it. So uh, consolidating resources, having a lower footprint to relieve areas where we can build housing is important. Um, but I am hearing a lot of grumbling, you know, and, and, and the, from, from people I'm talking, maybe because uh, it's hard to understand a, a very complex project. You know, we have a new city city manager, Steve Potter. You know, he needs to take a look at this. I want to hear his opinion. You know, I like the fact that we're going to sell city-owned property to create additional revenue, tax revenue, uh, and, and trying to offset some of that cost. But the fact is, is we need we need to build a new city hall. We need a new police station, and we need to build it. And if we can have a lower footprint and and create more growth, because right now our our revenue, it's it's basically already um, already marked for for what we're, we're already spending it, 
right? We can't. We need additional funding. We have. We need creative ways to to pay for a city hall. So, selling a super block is a good good idea. Selling that and building and creating revenue is a good idea. Now, the design part that's where I'm flexible. We got we got to look at the design. I think a little bit better and and make sure that we're doing it correctly. I know people are saying some people have mentioned have the police department somewhere else, but that's that that's taking land from potential housing areas. So that's that's where I'm concerned. Can we have in the same place? Some leadership have said yes. It's a good place to have police and and other workers of the city work together in the same in the same building. They, they see it as a good thing. You talked a lot about housing. Had you been on the council, how would you have looked at the Napa Oaks project? You know, we need housing all levels. You know, and this is a this is a hard one for me because you know the neighbors didn't didn't like it. But I went up there, I looked at it. Um, I saw that originally years ago they wanted to do a lot more, and if we could have gone denser, and I don't think if we could have gone denser and d- done affordable housing up there, because it would have been too much of an impact. I thought that the proposal was was um, a good compromise of of size, and from a personal perspective, you know, we were when I was buying a home, we were being outbidded from a lot of people, and it was frustrating. So I think that we need housing all levels, in that that um, to re- to help people move up from other property and have that be open because property right now is moving; it's being sold within three months, so it's adding supply and making sure we have a good balanced housing stock from all levels. We need affordable housing. We need we need housing for the middle class and we need housing for the higher class. And I thought that was a, a reasonable project, but you know, it wasn't supported by, by the community. You know, um, a lot of people were up in arms and that's important to listen to, to a, even though I like the project, I still have to listen to a community um, and, the, and, and engage with them, you know? Um, and, I, and I did do, re, I did reach out to a lot of people. And for me, it was 50-50 of who supported who didn't. And how would you have come down on it if you were on the council? That was proposed, and with my engagement, um, I would probably be for it. You know, uh, because now the only thing I would ask is for a second egress. I would like to see a second egress. Even though they said it was wide enough, I still would like the second egress um, on, on that proposal. Talk a little bit about the hotels and the approval of hotels and this process. Some people have called for a moratorium. There are a number of projects that have been approved already, some more that are working their way through the system. Your feelings about uh, approval of hotels, more hotels? Well, the reason we're approving hotels is because we we don't have enough growth with sales tax and property tax. Property taxes is the number one revenue tax revenue source for the city, but the growth is up four percent, and so it sells. TLT, the the tax, the tourist tax, is up fourteen percent, and that tells me that our focus, as as you stated, is, is is TLT. But we help families come back to town. We help families live where they work. Then they're spending money here. And we can grow the sales tax revenue. We can grow the property tax. And even if we can grow 2% from each of those two, we rely less on TOT. And then we don't have to build so much hotel. So when we build a hotel, I want to make sure that there's some kind of public benefit. Uh, or the hotels, it, it's, it has skin in the game with the, with the challenges of our community. It's not just come in and build 
and and leave or build and just operate your business. We're we're beyond that. We have to look at ways to come together and partner with with having a you know the business have a one one situation. They need to make a profit. We need to to overcome these challenges and we need to do it together. And that comes with having the right developer coming to our town, negotiating correctly and making sure it's a win win situation. And what would make it win win? What would you what kind of requirements would you like to see with respect to the hotels? Well, there's an example with uh, Trinitas done by the DMV where they bought land and are going to have a nonprofit build it. And that was a creative way to do it. I think that there's different ways that we can do it. One is, first of all, we need to have a vehicle to execute these challenges, which is a housing program. And they can they can either fund the housing program, they can buy land and, and, and uh, have it restricted for affordable housing. Right or there's different ways to do this. At the end of the day, there has to be a public benefit. There has to be a way towards addressing the the housing challenges, or, or improving our parks, or helping with our with our sidewalks. The sidewalks are in bad condition. There's not enough crossroads to to safely cross our streets. And when we approve a commercial project or a large project, there has to be a public benefit. If there's not, then we need to, we we need to kick it back and 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 renegotiate. What about the public benefit that comes from the TOT itself, that that's money for the city to fix those sidewalks, to fix the roads, to improve streets? It's not enough because the trend that we've gone with with the growth of TOT, we, we, we've we caused a misbalance where we're not able to we, – we didn't address the, the needs that – they were warned. They they knew we were gonna have a housing shortage because we're bringing so many so many workers, and we've had all this economic growth, but not balanced towards our towards the needs of our community. Uh, so, what we need to do is is again making sure from this point forward, any any projects is negotiated to to make sure that they're they're incentivized to come in, and we have a a, a win too. Because we got, we're running out of land. We have very few land to build. And at some point, we have to redevelop. Uh, and with the new general plan, we have to look at zoning and how we're going to build and how we're going to set the next generation for success. You, you read my mind because I was going to ask you <laughs> next about the new general plan. If you were on the council, you would be very much a part of the beginning of that new general plan process. What do you think some of the things are that that general plan needs to look at that have not been part of the current general plan? Zoning, density, height for 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 uh, residential units. Uh, we got to look at where we can, where the city can take a lead in, in addressing the housing sor- shortage. And there's areas that we can build. And we're talking about 20 and, and, and 40 years that, that we're really setting this up. My daughter's nine months. When, when we're looking for a next general plan update, she's going to be 20 years old. She's going to be a young adult, either, you know, um, graduating from That's going to be like a week from Thursday. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, graduating from, from college, looking to enter the workforce and, 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 and finding a place to live, ready to, to venture into the world as an adult. And I want to make sure I, I, I do what I can to, to create an environment where she can succeed. Her and my daughter, that's um, date to be born is November 2nd. Um, so very excited about that. 
But going back to the general plan, it, it, we got to look at ways to address the challenge that we that we have now. We know it's housing, we know streets, we know sidewalks, but really, it's how we're gonna how we're gonna address the needs of our of our community and and when it comes to shelter and diversity and acceptance, and we do that with with housing. It's interesting because. In a way, it's it's a crystal ball process. I mean, one of the things, I mean, certainly as, as we talked about, this is a problem throughout the Bay Area right now. But one of the reasons it's a problem, and certainly one of the reasons it's a problem here in Napa, is that for years and years and years, the focus of the city and the focus of the council was on slow growth, slow growth, not more than 1% a year. Let's not build anything. Let's not have any density. And that, in part, got us to, to where we are today. Yeah, so we, we did kind of, we did, Dig ourselves in a hole. I mean, because we wanted economic growth, but then we wanted slow, slow growth on on how many people want, you know, we would allowed to live here. We can't have have it both ways. If we're gonna add jobs, if we're gonna have economic growth, we also need to add housing opportunities for people that are gonna work here. We can't just say you're gonna work here but not live in my community. I mean, that sends the wrong message to say you 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 know, and, and I know that not everybody wants to live here. And I know not everyone's going to live here, but to to not focus on on one part of it, which is housing people here and, and creating all these jobs and this economic growth. It's almost like we want you to work here, but we don't want you to live here. That's sending the wrong message. And I'm not saying it was intentional, but that was that was the result of what's going on. What is your sense of, change the subject a little bit, of the political tone in the community? One of the things that we've seen, certainly one of the things that we see every day nationally, is the degree to which people are divided. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of, uh, a lot of free-floating angst that, that are part of the political debate today. And arguably, little by little, that seems to be filtering down to an area that was kind of immune from it for a long time, and that's local politics. And I suppose we saw the best example of that with the Measure C campaign here recently that got pretty contentious, to say the least. What do you see in terms of the political tone here as it sort of reflects some of the trends that are going on in the state and more specifically the rest of the country? Well, first of all, this is why it's important to to elect somebody that— that person understands this issue. You know, growing up as somebody that came in from Mexico, I've faced racism, I've faced hatred, I've faced so many different things. I mean, I've got, you know, I got scars in the back of my head from from rocks, you know, and, and I've dealt with this um, with with um, with anger, uh, with, you know, as a young kid, I, you know, getting in the fight and realize that's not the best way to approach this. You know, and I learned quickly that when there's the, when there is issues like this, when people are divided, you need to engage with the other side. You need to talk and, and open up the communication as much as you can. Because, for example, when somebody looks at me and judges me, you know, instead of getting mad and, and fighting back, what I do is I engage and approve them wrong. And then you can build a relationship. You can at least start a conversation. That's what we can do in our community. You know, speaking national politics, you know, and what that means to our community is, you know, we're all in this together in Napa, regardless of who you are, what you believe in, and where you're from. We need to work together. You know, I don't care, you know, where you're from and who you are. If you want to make a positive impact, let's work together. And even if we disagree on how we can do that, we need to, we need to start talking, even if we don't agree. And I and I and I make it 
a point to reach the people that the ones I disagree with because I want to see their perspective. Do you get asked about this when you're knocking on doors and talking to people? I know uh, some of the candidates have, have talked about this, that they get asked, you know, you're a Republican or a Democrat, who you're for, who you're against. Do you get asked that? And if so, I, how do you answer it? You know, for me is I do get asked that once in a while. And I, I'm independent. You know, I don't, I don't go with the party because my focus and the reason, the reason I'm running is because of lack of representation in the Latino community. That's what got me started four years ago. Alfredo Pedrosa, you know, um, deservingly got promoted to board of supervisors by the governor, but that left the void the city level. Uh, the first Latino elected, and you know that got me interested. I'm like, okay, you know, are we gonna be able to fill that seat with somebody that can represent the community? And we did it. Uh, and and I was one of the ones that applied for a vacancy. Because I saw that only two other people from our Latino community applied, and I wanted—I thought we would have a better shot to to keep that representation, and we didn't. So instead of complaining, I wanted to be part of the solution. That was my first time in the city hall at the podium and talking. That was four years ago, and since then I've been working very hard to to get ready for this moment. Uh, so, have you gone to a lot of city council meetings over I have. the past several years? I have. I've done, and not just that, I man. I've done Citizen Academy to get a real good look at what the what the city means at different departments and what they do. Uh, leadership Napa Valley. I've, uh, I've I've gone involved with uh, veteran uh, veteran organizations and in, in the Napa County Hispanic Chamber. I've gone to chamber events and I've gone to different different organizations and different events to get a broader perspective. I'm not going to say no to one you know one event because I may disagree with them. I want the whole perspective. I want the, the I want to understand that diverse community that we live in, especially the ones that may not understand. You know, it, it's about learning. A leader is a, it's somebody that that's going to continue to learn and understand our environment, our 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 community, and as as we tackle one issue, another one's going to come up, and we need to be able to know how to engage and and accept others and and understand their perspective. Are there issues that concern you, things that you think about that people are not talking about yet, things that maybe haven't bubbled to the surface? Yeah, you know, the teenagers. I, I've talked at schools, and teenagers are frustrated because they don't feel like they're they're being listened to and catered to in our community. Uh, coming from Parks and Rec, you know, I learned that that's important to engage in our youth and have families play together and come out, go outside. You know, growing up in, in poverty, you know, there wasn't too much for me to do after school. Uh, I did some sports, but uh, when I couldn't do sports, you know, there was a teen center. And that teen center allowed me to, to engage my peers in a safe place. It allows to to take internships and go on field trips and, 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 and be in a constructive environment. And if we don't provide that to, to our families and teenagers, what, you know, they're either going to stay inside, be on the computer and the phone, video games or something worse. So we need to provide, you know, a safe environment. We have a great uh, um, opportunity with Kennedy Park. We've been talking about the master plan for years, and and there's opportunities there to develop that into something that the community can accept and be, and be part of it and and help, you know, uh, our families that are active. What would in you like to see there? What would you like Rec to see Rec center, changed? a teen center, a, a maybe even an indoor pool. Um, and and um, multi-use fields. I mean, that was part of the uh, the master plan. But we can do 
we can do more. I mean, you talk to people, the the uh, John Coates and other people at the uh, Parks and Rec. They'll tell you what I think about um, what we need. I've been very vocal with them. We need, and, you know. And yet the reality is, I mean, those are all cool things. But the reality is that if you look at the changing demographics of Napa, it's getting older and older and older. I mean, you hear the bemoaning from NVUSD that enrollment is down and down and doesn't seem to be going in any other direction. But if we're going to tackle housing, we're going to bring in families back in. If if we have all these homes in the pipeline, if we're going to bring families in, we're not just going to attract the retirement community. We do have an aging population that we have to care for and and making sure that they have a safe, safe city to live in. But, you know, as as time goes on, we are going to have families and and coming back and, and, and kids, you know, and we need to provide more things for them to do. We can do better than that. That's one thing that other people haven't. Actually, now they're talking. Now they're starting to talk about it. I've I brought up splash pads and parks, little areas where there's little water features, and, and I've talked to to lots of moms, lots of parents, and they're frustrated because there's not enough for for their kids to do here. They they go they go out of town for recreational activities. They go to to the beach, to water world, to other parks. I have family in Brentwood, and Brentwood has a really good aquatic complex, and they have parks that have little water features. And you know, for a place as as um, as wealthy as ours that does well economically, we're not investing enough in, in our recreation activities. Mm-hmm. We have a great parks and rec department, by the way. We just need to give them more tools. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how you see yourself different than the other candidates, the other potential members of the council. You, you know, many of the things you've talked about are things that, and, and you've been at all these forums, you've heard from your your colleagues and your fellow candidates. Everybody sort of seems to be focused on the same areas in terms of housing and what some of the needs are, certainly different solutions. How do you see yourself as fundamentally different? Well, you know, thinking about the people in my community, how that decision is going to affect their lives. I don't just look at numbers, I look at people. I look at real situations. How is this decision going to impact our lives? You know, it's not just a a a a, uh, a vision or a dream. It's, it's reality with with our community. When I talk to, to workers that they're doing three jobs because they're they're paying too much, or they or they're driving too long because they have to commute in, how are we going to help them, and how a decision is going to impact their lives? Uh, I'm in front of people every single day. I don't know how many people – I'm not in front of people just during a campaign. I've been in front of people for a long time. You know, I've been engaging with my community for a very long time and people from our economic levels. And every time I'm going to make a decision, I I picture them and I ask them. And they tell me. A lot of times, willingly, they tell me uh, how much they're struggling or where they're doing good, you know, or how hard it is to hire or, you know, how our our political uh, environment right now is making – creating fear and anxiety in our community and some people don't want to come and work in our community and they're having trouble. So my perspective is my engagement with people on a personal level and how they're going to be impacted with decisions that I make. This is your first political campaign. Are you having fun? What are you I'm having fun. Talk I, about your uh, feeling about the process. Well, first of all, you know, I'm very fortunate to have a wonderful partner in life. My wife, Gabby is a color superhero. She's a warrior. You know, not only is she stepping in when I'm out 
raising, you know, uh, my daughter, you know, thank God for, for Snapchat because she, she sends me so many things while I'm out, you know, campaigning and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes, uh, on, on the family, but we made a commitment and she hundred, hundred percent supports it. And she's 31 weeks pregnant too. I mean, she it's almost as if she's running a campaign because, you know, I couldn't do this without her. You know, my parents, my family, and my friends, and everybody that supported me is making this, a, a, making it a reality for me to be able to do this. Um, so I'm having fun. Uh, I'm enjoying the challenges and, and learning, engaging with the broader community. And, you know, it's just an honor to, to be able to engage in this opportunity because the way I grew up, I've never thought myself to be in this position. You know, I was the kid with the torn shoes and a raggedy shirt and, and, and never thought I'd be a, a homeowner or a business owner. But it's a testament to the country that we live in, the opportunities. It's not a perfect country, but it's definitely a, 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 a beautiful country with opportunities. And, it's, and, and Napa is a reflection of that. Napa has been good to my family and to me. This is where my wife was born and raised here. I met her here. I started my business here. My daughter was born here. My, uh, you know, be, became a homeowner here. So I'm very thankful for being in Napa and what it has given to me. And I just want to give back. And I want to make sure that, that you know, the doors that were open for me stay open behind me. Bernie, I thank you so much for coming in and sharing thank with us. Thank you so us. much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com.